one. Welcome to Vistas by WebCheck Security. News, views, and insights into the cybersecurity realm, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Produced by WebCheck Security, a world-class penetration, testing, and risk mitigation company. My name is Greg Johnson, and I'm your host. Today's podcast welcomes Neil Gonsalves, founder and CEO of WebCheck Security's longtime partner, Arc360. I might add that Neil's keys to success uh, one of them, anyway, has been integrity and willingness to serve his clients, an attitude that is very compatible with the way WebCheck Security delivers its services. You'll enjoy our discussion with Neil on Vistas today. Vistas is sponsored by Vivint Smart Home. Look, have you ever wondered what would happen if I got robbed? What would they get? Uh, who do I call to protect myself? Well, look no further than Vivint Smart Home. They have the best technology for cameras, doorbells, garage sensors, window sensors, thermostats, everything you need all in one app. For world-class security and home automation, call Vivint today at 1-800-570-1313. That's right, 1-800-570-1313. Vistas is also honored to be sponsored by Nexus IT, a worry-free, hyper-responsive approach to providing world-class IT support and solutions. So leaders can focus on their business. Shout out to Earl and his crew, another amazing CEO with high integrity. And by the way, a great bass player. Reach out to Earl's crew for your IT security needs at www.nexusitc.net. I might add that Earl and his crew will be at the forthcoming Silicon Slopes conference since they are the official IT provider of that conference. Register for that today. Google Silicon Slopes. You'll see all about it. Uh, Tim Cook of Apple will be speaking at that conference, uh, along with an, uh, many amazing um, stars and industry superstars, uh, even one of the singers from Imagine Dragons. All right. And now, and our intro to our guest. ARC360 is an IT audit and assurance company headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. ARC360 has customers throughout North America and into Europe, Asia, and more. Their mission is to make the right IT compliance and cybersecurity risk management attainable for small and mid-sized companies. Neil Gonzalez, its founder and CEO, is a dynamic, results-focused leader with a successful track record evaluating corporate business, operational, financial, and compliance strategies through internal and external audit activities. Early in Neil's career, he was responsible for setting up Ernst & Young's offshore operations for IT advisory services in India. He is an effective communicator who works closely with executive management and other stakeholders to identify and evaluate risks and implement reasonable mitigation strategies. He has consistently led large and diverse groups to efficiently deliver value-added results. Neil has extensive experience in PCI DSS assessments, SSAE 18, SOC 1, SOC 2, SOC 3, as well as uh, other third-party uh, reporting governed by the AICPA, High Trust Alliance, uh, and the PCI Council. Financial and information technology auditing, governance, security, and risk management, controls implementation, and Sarbanes-Oxley compliance, as well as managing vulnerability assessments and penetration testing. As the founder and CEO, Neil reviews all engagements and reports as part of ARC360's quality assurance 
process. Neil has provided professional services for multiple Global 1000, Fortune 500, federal and state government agencies, and regional companies during the course of his career. He is a former board member of the Atlanta chapter of Ascend, a national organization formed to enhance the presence and influence of current and future business leaders, and is actively involved with the diversity and inclusiveness initiatives. His professional designations include Certified Public Accountant, Certified Information Systems Auditor, Certified Information Systems Manager, Chartered Accountant, Payment Card Industry, Qualified Security Assessor, and High Trust Certified CSF Practitioner. Wow, Neil, that I feel like a kindergartner after that introduction. Welcome. <laughs> Good day. Uh, Greg, uh, yeah, first and foremost, uh, uh, you, you know, just uh, humbled by that introduction and, uh, you know, definitely appreciate uh, you having me on this uh, podcast. Uh, I'm just excited, but more importantly, like I said, happy and humbled to be here and share my thoughts with your listeners. Well, it is an honor to have you here today, Neil. And for our listeners, we uh, we have a great business partnership as well. And Neil is just uh, pleasant. He's one of my favorite partners uh, to work with. Uh, it's uh, awesome when you would trust someone with the keys to the kingdom. Neil, I feel like I could give you my uh, bank account password and you'd, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> That's the kind of man uh, that Neil is, folks. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Neil, you live in Atlanta. How many children do you have? How long have you been married? What are some of your hobbies? You know, fun stuff like that. Okay, wonderful, Greg. Yeah, so uh, while, uh, you know, right now Atlanta is home to me, I'm originally from India. Uh, I, I studied in India. I grew up out there. Uh, I began my career uh, in India working with uh, EY, uh, initially on the financial audit side, uh, and then had the good fortune of starting the IT audit practice for EY in India many years ago in, in conjunction with another individual. Um, uh, through that process, you know, got an opportunity to work with uh, the firm uh, in the U.S. and, uh, you know, was given an opportunity to come here uh, in, in 1998. So I moved here with uh, my wife, uh, Vaishali, who, uh, you know, is also a part of ARC 360 now. Uh, so, so we've been married for 23 years now and, uh, you know, just loving every bit of it. Um, we've got two wonderful children. Uh, my daughter uh, is studying at the University of Michigan. Uh, she's going to be majoring in computer science. Uh, she should be actually graduating in, in December, uh, a little sooner than what I'd expected. But, uh, you know, she's, she's hardworking and uh, has talked to her. And my son is a junior in high school and, uh, you know, one of the busiest years for him. So right. high school is keeping or more than busy, you know, with, the, with the, not only his, uh, you know, the, the academics, but also all the extracurricular activities that he's involved with as well. Oh, fa and fantastic. On a, on a personal note, Greg, just, uh, some, some fun things about me. Obviously, you know, I mean, besides, uh, you know, serving my clients uh, on, you know, when, when, when I'm not doing that, uh, I, I love listening to music. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Beatles fan for, uh, for for many of you who worked with me, know that uh, pretty closely. And uh, I also love food, so I love exploring uh, different cuisines from across the globe. And every little bit of the opportunity that I get to try something new, 
um, I will I will definitely lay my hands on it. So anyway, that's just a little little bit about myself, my family, and you know, uh, just a little fun fact about me as well. Oh, fantastic! I I didn't realize that you had a love of music. As you know, I sing with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and uh, we'll have to chat more about some of those experiences. I also went and saw the good old Doobie Brothers a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and boy was that wow. a delightful concert those those old boys play a lot of jazz they're 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 jazz trained if you will and uh yeah. we have a lot more to talk about than we realize i think <laughs> well listen uh, neil um you and i worked for the same uh, assurance and compliance firm uh years ago i was a vice president of, of business development but you had left just prior to my arrival um what possessed you to start your own cyber audit and compliance company? This is a very competitive space. Not that there's lack of business. Cyber is huge, with uh, especially with nation-state attacks. And the Revel Group, uh, all funded by Russia, Darkside, a colonial pipeline attack. Um, there was recently a, uh, a large grain cooperative um, in Iowa that was hit uh, with ransomware. And, of course, all of the things that ARC360 does uh, – helps with with these things so obviously the industry continues to grow um but it's difficult isn't it having a business uh and running a business growing a business what possessed you to leave um kind of a, a big 20 firm and uh and go it on your own absolutely uh, so uh as, as you mentioned uh greg you know i mean this, this definitely is a is a really competitive and a tight space but uh, I had spent the majority of my life with uh, a big four accounting firm uh, working in their technology and risk practice. So, you know, as a passion, this is what I love doing. You know, I mean, this is uh, this is what I feel passionate about and, uh, uh, you know, have done this for a long time. Uh, but uh, there always was that little itch for me to, you know, do something on my own, right? You know, build and grow something, uh, you know, from the ground up. Uh, that I can uh, I can truly call my own. Right. Um, more importantly, you know, I knew that there were a ton of small to mid-sized business companies uh, that uh, needed significant help in managing their cybersecurity risk management program. And and not only that, uh, the entire IT compliance space uh, is so very convoluted. And uh, you know, most small business to mid-sized business owners. Uh, it's really challenging for them to try and understand what is it that they need to comply with, what is it that they need to do. You know, most, most if not all of them, have limited budgets that they are working with, but yet have to comply with these complex regulations and standards and frameworks. Uh, so I, I really felt that, uh, you know, if I have their best interests in mind uh, and can help them demystify this compliance landscape, and get them to where they need to be, not not only from just achieving compliance, but more importantly, from doing the right thing, correct? What is right for their business uh, as far as this area is concerned uh, related to information security? Um, and then how do they, in turn, can better serve their clients? At the end of the day, kind of that's, that's you know, one of the key aspects for my clients in running their business. And I believe that if I could do all of that, at a fair and reasonable price, uh, then there definitely was going to be a competitive edge for me to be successful and run a successful practice. Uh, 
So kind of keeping that in mind, uh, you know, I decided to start Arc 360 in 2014. We are just right at around our uh, completed our seven year anniversary. And uh, congratulations. You know, <laughs> they, they say if a business survives uh, past year five and is still growing, then then it's now on solid, you know, footing, solid foundations. So congrats. Absolutely. Yeah. And Greg, uh, I think just one more tidbit out here. You know, I think, um, and and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the most important thing for me is you know having a great set of uh, team members uh, that I work with uh, day in and day out. And uh, along the way, like I said, I've been fortunate to uh, have worked with some really wonderful folks who are really bright. Uh, but more importantly, again, who uh, shared the same values and the same culture that. Uh, uh, I have attempted to build out here at Arc 360. And uh, so I think, you know, I mean, in terms of uh, what possessed me to start the company and where I am today, you know, I would say that if, if if I were to do this, you know, over again, I would probably do it five years sooner, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, and what are those values, Neil? So you look at the past seven years of growth, and if you were to underscore, you know, maybe the top three things that you've done, that have helped your business to grow and retain clients and renew their audits year after year. Um, what are those qualities and attributes and what would you attribute that growth to? Yeah. So uh, obviously, Greg, I think, you know, I really have to consider uh, myself being very fortunate to have uh, had the opportunity to serve the most wonderful set of clients. Okay. And I cannot, cannot, uh, you know, overemphasize that. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, you know, it would not have been possible without the support of a phenomenal team that I have. You know, they are part of our Arc360 family now. They are the fabric that, you know, is part of our, our culture out here. And uh, this growth really would not have been possible without the support of that fantastic team. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned previously, the need for, you know, achieving the right IT compliance and cybersecurity risk management continues to keep growing. You know, we are we are seeing new clients reach out to us uh, literally every other day. Uh, but I think for me, one of the most important factors is uh, being able to serve my existing clients. And that has in turn resulted in a significant amount of referral business. Uh, you know, these are our existing clients who feel comfortable with the work that we performed who really value our relationship and they are referring us to other counterparts of theirs, you know, in the similar industry or across different industries. And I would say it's primarily based on the great relationship that we've built with these clients of ours, um, you know, that is fueling some of the additional growth as well. So, and then our existing clients, you know, organically, uh, we, we are, we provide a, a bunch of services. So many a times, um, you know, I, I am that first call that I receive when anything new comes about, right? And so uh, important uh, to to cherish uh, and serve our existing clients. And, and I think, you know, I would say that that would be one of the most significant drivers of our, our growth. Fantastic. And one thing you didn't mention, Neil, or may, maybe you did and I missed it, but, uh, you know, as a partner and as an outside observer, I've seen that honesty, integrity are just the way you operate and and your team operates with that as well i can trust them uh, your clients trust them i've observed that you lose very few clients uh, every business loses 
clients for for some reason or another. Sometimes they go out of business. Um, sometimes there's a, a personality uh, conflict or, or it doesn't mesh. But I've seen with ARC 360 that that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and uh, and you don't have a lot of employee turnover either. The same folks that we're talking to uh, today uh, as your partner have been there for several years. So kudos um, on those notes. And anybody listening to this podcast can absolutely trust ARC360 with, uh, with their uh, IT audits and compliance um, services. Well, Neil, let's, let's talk about... Um, Actually, before we leave that topic, there for any entrepreneurs on this listening to this podcast, can you give us some insight? What is the difference between when you grew from zero to one million, and then what did you have to do to get to that next uh, two million in revenue? What changes did you have to make? How did you scale? It'd be interesting to hear your insights on that. Yeah, so I think uh, for for me, um, you know, through the early part of uh, you know, starting and, and running this business, um, you know, being being tied to the details uh, and, uh, you know, making sure that everything kind of happens in accordance with, you know, all the frameworks that we, uh, you know, are accredited to um, audit under uh, was, was a big part of uh, those initial uh, few years. Uh, but I think as we as we kept growing and as like I said you know I I added a few more uh, people to to my team uh, it was you know my team that gave me the comfort that I could kind of scale back a little bit uh, not be so involved with every little bitty minutia uh, but give them the opportunity to uh, you know, run and build their own small books of business, correct? You know, that was that was really important. And, you know, uh, I, I always, uh, you know, one of my project managers when I was at EY, uh, you know, always used to tell me, hey, Neil, think about this like it's your own business and act like it's your own business. And uh, again, you know, I'm, I, you might probably, it might seem like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again, is that I've been fortunate and blessed with uh, having some wonderful individuals on my team who think of this like it's their own business and act like it's their own business, you know? And I think, I think that has given me some of the ability to, uh, you know, take that next step. Uh, Greg, I would also be, uh, you know, I, I would, I would be grossly uh, misstated out here if I did not acknowledge uh, some of the wonderful, you know, business partners that, that I've had along the way, such as uh, WebCheck Security and yourself, uh, who've <laughs> also you. given me have also given me that ability to continue to uh, grow, uh, but more importantly, like I said, you know, serve our clients in the best possible manner. And and I think you know, without without the support of uh, you know wonderful business partners such as yourself, without wonderful business, uh, uh, you know, my my team, uh, I think you know that jump from you know point A to point B uh, would not have really been possible. Well, that, that speaks to your character too, Neil, as a leader, you clearly uh, give your people some leash. Uh, you give them the opportunity uh, to own things and do things. I, I think the leader who tries to uh, maintain too much control is not only up till midnight every night <laughs> and, and their lives are in, in a shambles, uh, but uh, 
it doesn't give other people an opportunity to grow your business for you. And as you've allowed them to have uh, leadership roles and ownership, um, it seems to me like that's been uh, part of your success. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you, you know, giving giving them the freedom to do what they do best, having trust in them, correct? I mean, if you if you, you know, brought them on as part of your family, you know, the one thing you've got to do is you've got to be able to trust them. And uh, uh, again, you know, they have given me no reason to ever doubt that. So, so again, you know, I think, I think being able to let them do what they do best and being there to support them, guide them, coach them, whatever they need. Correct. I think, I think that's an important aspect as well. Thank you for that insight. That's, that's very powerful as a leader. So coaching and the ability to give ownership and autonomy, but it starts with finding the right people, trustworthy people, and, and uh, good team players as well. Um, well, let's pivot for a minute. Neil, let's talk about what's happening right now in the risk governance and compliance industry. What are some of the trends in your space, uh, and how is ARC360 uh, meeting some of those trends? Yeah. So, so I think, uh, Greg, uh, you know, while there are just a ton of frameworks and standards out there as it relates to IT compliance and security, uh, what I believe I think I am seeing the most often come up uh, is the AICPA's system and organization control assessments, correct? As commonly referred to as stock examinations. Uh, you know, many of my your listeners would have heard the term SOC1 or SOC1, SOC2, and SOC3. So these are three subsets of uh, an, an overall attestation standard uh, put out there by the EICPA. Uh, this, is, this is almost becoming a universal framework uh, or, you know, reporting standard uh, that is being accepted across the globe. And, you know, we're not only seeing requests come in from clients uh, in the U.S., but also from clients overseas in Europe, in Asia, you know, pretty much all over the globe. Um, besides that, I think there are other um, uh, frame, uh, risk management frameworks, like uh, for companies uh, who accept credit card information, if you mm -hmm. store process of credit card information, then you are required to comply with uh, the PCI data security standards. Uh, many companies, even though they might not store, process, or transmit credit card information are still adopting the PCI framework uh, just because it's pretty robust and it, it, is, it is something that they can measure themselves against, correct? It's not very ambiguous. It's a very defined uh, framework with some, with some very defined criteria. Uh, so, so these are the two uh, compliance uh, initiatives that we see uh, come up uh, most often. You know, many, many times uh, we get calls from clients saying that, hey, you know, we are part of an RFP process and one of the requirements is to obtain a SOC 2 examination. Uh, that could be one, one uh, you know, aspect. Uh, many of our clients sometimes you know, realize that they have got it as part of their contractual obligations uh, to perform a SOC 1 or a SOC 2 examination or any of these other, other standards out there. Uh, so from from an IT compliance perspective, I would say that, you know, security compliance perspective, those are the two frameworks that uh, I've seen come up most often. Now, besides that, uh, you know, I think data privacy continues to 
you know, also, you know, be forefront, uh, you know, in, in everybody's mind, especially right. when you've got so so many privacy regulations, right, Greg? We, you've got, you know, the general data protection regulation, which is commonly known as GDPR, which is the European Union, um, you know, regulation out there. Uh, within the U.S., you've got the California Consumers Protection Act or CCPA. So these continue to be huge uh, concerns for clients. And it's not only the big clients, you know, it's even the small, you know, 25-person company, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, southern Georgia that, uh, you know, would, would need to comply with, uh, you know, these regulations if they do, you know, have any kind of personally identifiable information that they come into contact with, correct? Right. Uh, so so these also continue to be huge concerns, Uh and then uh, more importantly, uh, more recently, I would, I, I would say we are starting to see some, some requests. Now, this is a fairly new uh, standard, uh, you know, put out by the Department of Defense. Uh, you know, it's called the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. Right. CMMC is, is more commonly referred to. So we are starting to see some kind of, uh, you know, interest uh, develop, especially if you do business with the Department of Defense, then, you know, this is going to become uh, a requirement, uh, you know, down uh, down the road. But I think I would I would say overall, you know, definitely cybersecurity risk management continues to be at the forefront for uh, boards of directors, for audit committees, and then more importantly, for owners of companies, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's their risk, correct? I mean, right. it's their business that's out there. Uh, so anyway, I know I've kind of, you know, given you a few things that come front and center to me based on what uh, I'm seeing out there, based on conversations that I'm having day in and day out with our existing clients, but also with some prospective clients as well. What about the ISO uh, 27701, the, the new privacy designation, uh, Neil? Have you seen any traction with that? Uh, for our listeners, ARC does also provide ISO 27001 uh, certifications as well. As you know, there are very few privacy certifications, uh, but ISO sure. seems to have developed one. What are your comments on that? Have you seen much of that uh, here in the United States since it's more of a European standard? Yeah, it's more of a European standard, Greg, but that's a great question. We have seen, I would say, within the past 12 months, uh, you know, several uh, companies, uh, you know, reach out to us to see if we can help them with the 27701. Now, the 27701, as you rightly pointed out, uh, you know, focuses mainly on privacy. Uh, and uh, it's not meant to address every privacy regulation that's out there in the world. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is meant to be a framework that you can adopt that for most part would address, uh, you know, a significant amount of privacy concerns. Right now, the important aspect for the 27701 is to understand that it actually sits on top of 27001 so it's not a it's it's not a standard by itself right. you have to initially comply with the ISO 27001 which is the information security uh, standard and then 27701 sits on top of uh, 27001 so so absolutely you know it's something that we have started to see a little bit more uh, come up, uh, you know, in our conversations with uh, our clients, but but the twenty seven thousand one is definitely very prevalent out here in the U.S. Okay, I mean, a few years back, if we would have had this conversation, I would have told you we 
probably receive you know a uh, few to to, to to no questions around 27001 in the past 12 months you know we probably had several conversations with our clients so so although it's a european standard it is becoming very relevant to companies in the us you know primarily because i mean today you're no longer doing business within the boundaries of the united states right you know your clients are all across the globe and if you've got a client that you serve in you know europe then you know they are more concerned about 27001 uh, they also would accept SOC 2s, but, you know, they are more familiar with a framework that, you know, they have been used to seeing for several years, correct? So it's a great question, and I hope I've done justice to answering that. Yeah, you have. So in other words, you can't just go out and get a 27701 certification. You have to really certify to 27001, and then you add that on correct. top as, as a layer. Neil, what is it easier for a smaller corporation that has... Uh, that doesn't have a security department and perhaps a risk and compliance dedicated person. Is it easier for them to achieve a SOC 2 with security and confidentiality and maybe even privacy than it is to get ISO 27001? Uh, you know, I would I would definitely say it it is because the ISO 27001 has some uh, external uh, factors uh, involved with it. You know, so a very simple example would uh, would be that in order to get the ISO 27001 certification, you know, it's a it's a staged approach, uh, but but one of the phases uh, requires you to perform an internal audit. Right. Uh, now you have to perform an internal audit, uh, and it cannot be you know, you know somebody whom you just you know move from another uh, you know group within your company. You've got to get somebody who is knowledgeable about the 27001 standard who has had experience, you know, helping companies either with their 27001 compliance or, you know, either from as a lead auditor or either, you know, from a consulting perspective as well. Uh, so there are some nuances to that, which makes it a little bit more uh, challenging for a small to mid-sized company to achieve. Uh, but both are very, very thorough and rigid uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, very, very thorough and robust framework. Uh, and either, you know, if you, you know, adopt the SOC2 framework or the 27001, uh, I think you will be serving serving your clients well as it relates to the security of, of their information. But but definitely the 27001 takes a little bit more time and effort. Um, and for a small company, you know, these are some things that they should keep front and center. Right, right. Well, thank you for that insight. Uh, I wanted to pivot again and talk about uh, the shutdown, uh, the big shutdown with uh, the COVID pandemic, which, as everyone knows, we're kind of coming out of it. Some states are different than others. Um, our state tends to have a, a high vaccination rate. Other states don't. Uh, but even in Utah, we're experiencing holdouts and people that for no real reason other than they believe there's microchips in the or nanites in the vaccine or other silly things that, that uh, it's, it's better not to get vaccinated. And, and unfortunately, they're the ones that are ending up in the hospitals at the ICU yeah. and not, not the, the vaccinated ones. Um, but it's been a serious thing, and, and I don't mean to minimize, uh, and, and my, our hearts go out to those who have lost uh, friends and loved ones, uh, myself included. Uh, a mate in the choir uh, passed away, and he was a young guy. Um, I think he did have some... Uh, some health concerns, but uh, it, it's affected all of us. But I noticed, Neil, yeah. that during the shutdown, uh, you didn't lay anyone off. Tell us a little bit about that. What did you have to do, uh, and uh, how did that affect your business model? 
Yeah. So I think, uh, Greg, the, the most important thing for me, first and foremost, was to make sure that everybody within the Arc 360 family and their extended families as well stayed safe. You know, that was my number one uh, priority. Concern. Uh, so we did put some measures in place almost right away, early March. Uh, you know, I I I called. Uh, you know, as uh, not not having to perform any on-site audits till we kind of figured out what was happening. You know, at that time it was still early days, uh, but there was just no way I was going to take a chance and put someone on a plane uh, and risk them contracting contracting the virus. Right. So. So that was one of the first things that we did was, you know, we put some measures in place. And, you know, we were fortunate that we had already adopted some great technology. You know, I'm going to uh, give a little bit of a shout out out here to Microsoft Teams. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, you know, using using that technology, it was kind of almost seamless for us, you know, moving from on-site uh, procedures to being able to perform some of this stuff remotely, correct? So, so, so making sure that you know we first, f- first and foremost, put things in place wherein my team did not have to travel, but yet they they could perform you know the work that we needed to do to serve our clients, right? Then the next stage came to making sure that uh, we actually reached out to our all of our clients uh, and uh, you know made sure that we understood uh, how the pandemic impacted you know, each and every one of them, correct? In some cases, um, the impact was pretty significant. Uh, in other cases, our clients, you know, retooled themselves and, you know, uh, got creative and innovative and, in fact, uh, you know, grew their business as well, correct? You know, based on the opportunity uh, at hand, you know, work from home was kind of becoming uh, more of a, a norm rather than an, an exception to the rule. Uh, so many of our clients, uh, you know, uh, were were in that situation. But for the for the ones who did not, uh, we we were mindful of their situation. We worked with them in terms of trying to see how we could adjust their audit schedules. Right? They were just figuring out, you know, how do I move from you know an office that I had 35, 50 people to now having everybody work remotely. So being able to work with them. Again, coaching and guidance, not, you know, it, it doesn't translate only to my employees, but it also translates to my clients as well. And how did they, what they need to do to navigate away from an office environment to a work from home environment and, you know, being able to consult with them and help them through that process. But more importantly, also being mindful of the timeline, right? If they needed a little bit more time to you know, get their act together and then schedule the audit, uh, being able to work with them and manage that schedule and that timeline for them. Uh, and and then I think you know again because of the pandemic, you know we've all seen that uh, you know several businesses thrived and flourished. Uh, you know there was new opportunities that came about, uh, and uh, we were fortunate to pick up uh, some new business as well. Uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, some new things that uh, our clients were doing and some new clients as well. So, again, I think, you know, overall being able to uh, understand our clients' unique situations, uh, being respectful of uh, the timeline uh, that we needed to adhere to. And then also, I think, you know, being fair as far as our pricing is concerned, right? Everybody was going through a real tough time. Uh, so wherever possible, within my ability, 
we tried to keep our fees relatively flat or, you know, even in some cases, uh, if our clients was, were, were really struggling, then, you know, we, we actually gave them a little bit of a discount as well over the prior years. So, so all in all, you know, I think making sure that uh, we did everything right. Uh, but like I said, more, most importantly, <laughs> my first objective was keeping, keeping my team safe, correct? And then, you know, working with our clients, staying focused and doing the right thing. Very good. Well, kudos uh, to you and not having to lay people off and, and, you know, they're all going full bore. I think you've even expanded your team. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. We've, we've, we've grown uh, uh, a a decent amount over the past few years. So, so again, you know, I just couldn't be more proud of them. Very good. Now, Neil, and you know, I saw during the pandemic uh, guidelines came out from, the AICPA and the PCI Council um, on remote audits. Uh, it's my feeling that COVID uh, changed the world and it's never going back. There are a number of things technologically and we realize that virtual corporations are more legitimate now than ever. Has COVID legitimized what I'll call the Zoom audit or as you put it, the Teams audit? Uh, give us some insight there. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. I mean, remote audits are becoming the norm out here. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. You know, whenever we're talking to a new client, one of the first questions that we get asked is, "Hey, is this audit going to be done remotely?" Right. So, so not only you know uh, are are the bodies that we are accredited with uh, they have recognized it, but even our clients, you know, uh, really want to make sure that uh, you know they can perform or we can perform the audit in a remote uh, manner as much as possible. Uh, now, again, like I said, you know, it has all been facilitated and enabled with the technology that we have, correct? Let me give you a very simple example. I like to mm-hmm. explain things with an example. Uh, so there are certain things, uh, uh, certain areas within an audit wherein we are required to observe, uh, you know, certain controls. And obviously, you know, the best way to observe a control is to be there and to see it in real time, correct? But uh, because we cannot be on site at a client location, we've used technology such as FaceTime or WebEx and have our clients walk around in, let's say, their data center, correct, and show us all the different physical security controls or the different environmental safeguards that they have in place out there and be able to perform those procedures just like if we were on site with them, correct? But, uh, you, you know, I think the pendulum is kind of swinging back to some extent, uh, you know, wherein, uh, you know, once things start to open up a little bit, uh, some of these bodies that we are accredited with, whether it's PCI or the AICPA or the high trust, uh, at some point in time, I feel that they might come back to saying, okay, there are certain procedures that you absolutely have to go on site and perform, which I think, you know, we will definitely take within our stride. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, the majority of our work uh, from an audit perspective, will definitely be done remotely for the foreseeable future. Right, and it saved millions of corporations all that T and E. They don't have to pay the travel. <laughs> you know, it's a big part of the. It's a percentage, right, of the audit. It can be ten percent. Uh, you know, and if you're talking about a, a twenty or thirty thousand dollar audit, that's you know that's a significant extra chunk to budget for, right? Absolutely, those time and expenses. You know, especially the out of pocket stuff for travel, hotel. Airfare, you know, many companies have not had to, uh, you know, incur that. And, and I think that is definitely, you know, a, a, a huge saving. 
Okay, we'll take a break for a minute here. WebCheck Security looks to Nexus IT to partner for IT operations. It used to be notebooks, posters and banners, proofreading ads and physical invites. Now it's virtual servers and desktops, internet content filtering, web hosting, cloud infrastructure and more. Ready to jump your company forward a few decades? Let Nexus IT consultants show you how. To find out more, go to www.nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-2533. I'm going to say that again, 435-659-2533. And we're back with Neil Gonsalves of ARC360, founder and CEO, and WebCheck's amazing partner for Assurance Advisory Risk and Compliance Services. Neil, what would you advise CEOs of companies needing to get their SOC 2 or their PCI ROC, which is a report on compliance, uh, or high trust or ISO or, or whatever the certification might be? Uh, what advice do you give them for the first time or what do they need to start doing or how do they engage with you? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. I think, you know, one of the key success factors to getting through, uh, you know, an examination of this nature is to ensure that there is good buying from the top, correct? You know, whether it's ownership of the company or whether it's management of the company, uh, I think that is that is key. If, if you do not have that support from the top, uh, you know, then I don't care, you know, how much ever, you know, your, your, the rest of the team would work on it. Uh, you, you, you know, that's not, not the kind of, uh, you know, engagement that would, would be successful. So, so, so my ask of, you know, CEOs or owners of companies would be to ensure that, you know, they support the rest of the team, uh, as it, you know, uh, as, as it relates to achieving, uh, you know, these compliance initiatives. Okay. So that's, that's probably number one. Okay. Uh, number two is I would say is to make sure that companies understand what requirements that they have been asked to comply with, right? Many a times I'm on conversations and, oh, Neil, we want to get a PCI, we want to get a SOC 1, a SOC 2, and a SOC 3, and, you know, and then let's also throw in HIPAA out there. And guess what? You know, you're not even, you know, coming to contact with any protected health information, so why do you need HIPAA? So I think it's important for companies to understand these frameworks and then how it applies to their business, but then also more importantly to the clients that they serve, correct? So an understanding of these frameworks and you know, being able to see what's applicable to your unique company, to your unique business, and then saying, okay, is this something that I want to move forward with? Okay, so I would say that that's number two. Number three would be definitely to get an early start on it, uh, you know, so that it could be done in a nice and organized manner. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with uh, companies wherein they want this done as of yesterday, correct? Right. So, you know, it's part of RFP or, you know, they find somebody realized that it's stuck into their contractual obligations as part of their agreement. And now, you know, someone's waking up at the 11th hour. And that's never a good situation to be in because, you know, you can never perform a good audit in a hasty manner. Uh, it, it does no, no good to yourself. It does no good to the auditors it does no good to your clients as well. So making sure that you've got an early start um, and, you know, are able to do this, you know, in a nice and, and organized manner. Uh, and, and also I would, I would say that, you know, uh, a, a 
big help would be for companies who have never done this before uh, to possibly consider doing some sort of a readiness assessment or a gap analysis. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, sometimes some of these frameworks, you know, could be written in Greek and Latin, right? And to, right. to a layperson, it's really difficult to figure out, okay, what do I need to do in, the, in this scenario? So engaging an, an auditor slash advisor such as us, we can kind of take you through the framework and help you understand or demystify what's required. But then more importantly, if there are things that you need to put in place to remediate or to address any of these, uh, any of the criteria that you have to adhere to, then you've got adequate time to put those in place. And hopefully that can help facilitate, uh, you know, a cleaner, uh, you know, or an audit with little to no findings, correct, at the end of the day. That's what you want. You want to get a clean audit, right? Everybody's objective is to ensure that, you know, I, I get an audit that does not have any any significant findings in it. So going through the readiness assessment would help you or would set you up for, uh, you know, it's never a guarantee, but hopefully set you up for an audit that would be relatively clean. So I would say these would be some of the, you know, the four things that I would ask uh, owners or CEOs of the companies who are doing this for the first time to, to be thinking about. And what is the most difficult obstacle, if you were just to, uh, to pick one thing, and say to, to all of our listeners here, if they're looking at getting a SOC 1 or SOC 2 or an ISO or a PCI certification or high trust, as it were, maybe privacy, um, they all have commonalities. Uh, they, they all involve certain things. What What is it that's the most difficult for companies uh, as they're going through their their first rodeo with these certifications? Yeah, uh, Greg, I would again go back to the fact is, you know, underestimating, uh, you know, these frameworks and not dedicating adequate resources uh, to support this initiative. I would say that, you know, lack of adequate resources is probably one of the main obstacles to getting through a successful examination. And then if I may just have to add add an additional uh, item out there, I would just say, uh, you know, being able to embrace uh, these audits or these assessments, uh, not, uh, you know, not, not as a necessary evil, or not just as a check the box uh, item, uh, but but more so, you know, as a value add, you know, wherein you are going to help uh, your business become better, your business become safer, and in turn also be able to serve your clients better. Correct. So so if you have got that mentality, that's great. If you do not, uh, I would say that that would also be another obstacle in terms of you know achieving uh, compliance again in a nice and organized manner. Seems like that goes back to the C-suite again, Neil, that uh, the business owners or uh, majority stakeholders need to say, look, uh, doing this is a business enabler. It's not a sunk cost. It's something that will allow us to not only generate um, a confidence in our services and that we are secure, um, but we can hoist that flag almost in a marketing way and, and say, look, uh, we're compliant with uh, SOC 2 or ISO or whatever the case may be, and our competitors may not be. So, you know, quality right here, right? Wouldn't you think that's quite a business enabler? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely, you know, a huge competitive advantage to, to your clients. And, um, you, you know, if, if companies don't see that, uh, 
you, you know, I think I think they are missing out on something. You know, like I said again, in RFPs, you know, I'm seeing this day in and day out. And if if you have already obtained, you know, your talk to examination, while as a competitor doesn't, guess what? When that RFP, when your responses to those RFPs are being evaluated, you already score some points. You know, because you've already obtained your talk to examination whereas somebody else who is not is, you know, several steps behind you, correct? So absolutely, you know, not only doing the right thing from your business, but also serving as a competitive advantage is another huge aspect. Very good. Well, Neil, what should a company look for um, when they're looking to engage with a, a top-notch uh, assurance company, what are what are some key factors I, from my days working with, uh, uh, you know, a big twenty compliance firm as a VP of business development? We were usually up against at least three different bids. But what have you seen? Why do clients choose to go with Arc three hundred and sixty? What are some of the criteria that they use when evaluating um, engaging with uh, an IT auditor? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so Greg, I think you know, I I always encourage my clients uh, to do their due diligence, right? Whether it's selecting us or you know some some other firm, you know, I would love that you know they come directly to me, but you know, I think that's not the right approach, right? Each one needs to uh, arrive at uh, you know the decision that that's right for them. So, I would definitely say uh, make sure that you perform your own due diligence before. Uh, you know, you select the firm that that is right for you. So now the question comes up about as what's the right firm? Uh, I would say making sure that you hire a firm uh, that has the credentials and the experience uh, to performing these engagements. You know, someone who's done this, uh, you know, not five or ten times, but who has done it over and over and over again. Correct. So that would be the experience that the team brings to the table is is very valuable. I would also encourage uh, your listeners, if, if they are going down this route, uh, to to get to know the team that will be working directly with them, correct? And, you know, because many a times, uh, you know, you would end up in a bait and switch situation. Oh, well, you know, Neil Gonsalves is going to be there on all your engagements. And before you know, now Neil Gonsalves is no longer in the picture, right? So so making sure that, you know, you, you have that commitment or you understand who is the team that you're going to be uh, working with. Uh, I would also encourage uh, your listeners to make sure that they uh, check the credentials uh, of the firm. You know, we are registered with the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board or the PCAOB that uh, they are more commonly known as. Uh, we are we are registered with them, so 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 you definitely um, you know adds a little bit more credibility to uh, our our standing out there. And then you know, last but not the least, I would also want to make sure that your uh, listeners think about pricing. And when I say pricing, uh, you know, it's, it's fair pricing. It's not necessarily the cheapest provider or it's not necessarily the most expensive provider, correct? But uh, the, the firm that is fair in their pricing is reasonable, uh, you know, and it's fair not only to uh, yourselves, but also to, to them, right? At the end of the day, they've also, they run a business and, you know, they've got to make money as well. They've got employees that they've got to pay. So, so having that balanced approach and making sure that you evaluate, you know, you do your due diligence, uh, keep those few factors that I mentioned into consideration, and then being reasonable as it, uh, you know, comes to your pricing. Uh, I think I think those would be, you know, some some good ideas to be thinking about. Very good. Well, Neil, this has been a fantastic discussion. I think there's been a lot of good information for corporations here. 
uh, not only in terms of the overall compliance landscape, but what they need to do to be successful in it. If, if you were to summarize uh, a takeaway for today for our listeners, what do you want them to remember about uh, risk and compliance in general uh, or the ARC 360 approach? Uh, yeah, I think I think great question, uh, Greg. I wish I could summarize it by in in one one point, but but maybe let me just articulate a few. So I think the first item I would ask your listeners to uh, be thinking about is you know to make sure that they embrace the strategic aspects of IT compliance and and cybersecurity. It definitely drives speed to market. It definitely uh, would make your you know growth and business more profitable. Okay, so embracing the strategic aspects of IT compliance and security. I would say that that would be number one. Number two, I would say, is commit to the process, right? I mean, you want to make sure that if you're doing this, you're doing it seriously. And as I mentioned before, you know, do not really do this as a check-the-box approach. Make sure that you commit to the process and support it with adequate time and resources, okay? Don't expect this thing to be get do- to be done in a vacuum, right? You, you, you give me you know, a file and, you know, automatically on the other side, you know, you'll get an audit report. That does not happen. So, you know, make sure that you support it with adequate time and resources. Thirdly, I would say seek value, you know, seek value from your auditor. You know, our clients seek value in every aspect of their business. So why not from their auditor as well? You don't want the auditor to come in and just kind of, you know, give a report at the the end. You want them to be a valued, um, you know, relationship that you can continue, you know, over the years. So I would definitely say, think about that. And then maybe the last item I would also say is that, you know, look for a consultative relationship, correct? To help you uh, build for the future. So not only look at the audit as something that I just need to get done, but how is it going to help me? And if your auditor can build that consultative relationship with you, I think that is a sure shot recipe for success. Wise words. Well, Neil, what's the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you? Well, Greg, I think, you know, uh, a phone call would be the best uh, or email. Uh, you know, either way, email or phone call is the best way to reach me. Uh, all of my contact information is on our website at www.aarc-360.com. Or you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, there's all of my contact information out there. Uh, but I would just say, you know, no substitute in terms of picking up the phone and calling me. And, you know, hopefully we can have a wonderful conversation and, and I can help you uh, in, in some form or fashion. Correct. And if we have the good fortune of uh, serving you, that would be wonderful. But if not, if I could help somebody along the way, uh, definitely do not hesitate to reach out to me. Well, Neil, it's been an honor to have you here today. Thank you so much uh, for your valuable time and participation here today. Let's do it again sometime soon. Absolutely, Greg. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate having you having me on on the call. All right, folks. That is Neil Gonsalves, founder and CEO of Arc Three Hundred and Sixty. Vistas thanks its sponsors, Vivint Smart Home and Nexus ITC Consultants. For world-class security and home automation, call Vivint today at 1-800-5701-313. That's right, 1-800-5701-313. For white glove cybersecurity and IT assistance, contact Nexus at www.nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-2533. 
Today's music has been provided by Suit Up Soldier and can be downloaded on Spotify, Apple Music, and other popular platforms. Check back soon for another episode of Vistas published at least once or twice a month. Until next time, be positive and see only the good in others. Thank you.